Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning, Father. Good morning on this rainy Monday morning. I, I have no idea what's going on. It's um, just, I feel like I'm in the Northeast. I'm still half asleep here because, you know, this this weather isn't helping mm. to, to get me up. The sunrise <laughs> is coming out later. I mean, I mean, it, it's just, it's just, uh. but no. But we're here. Hey. We're here. We're alive. We're, we're, we're healthy. We're doing great. Day after World Mission Sunday. That's it. How was your weekend? It was, uh, it was good. We'll talk about it more during the pod, later on in the podcast. <laughs> It was good. It was good. All right. So I didn't get to hear uh, your homily this weekend. Mm-hmm. I went to, uh, we, we went, or we had a, uh, a birthday party for a friend uh, who's actually a, 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 my friend's daughter, I should say, who's a, a regular listener. So Frank, happy birthday to your two beautiful oh, girls. absolutely. That was, that was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, we so, love Frank. So we went to mass earlier than we normally do, but you didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't have 1030 anyway. Nope. Um, so fill me in on what you spoke about because- I had Father Stephen, who gave a, a, a very nice homily. Um, so, so tell me about it. What did you say? Well, what did you have to talk to? Well, to say this yesterday weekend? was World Mission Sunday, and we had such great readings yesterday. But I wanted to start it. I started off the homily yesterday, and I also preached on on Saturday night with with a quote from um, from Pope Pope Saint John Paul II, which is basically life with Christ is a wonderful adventure. And, and it's a very simple quote, but it's a quote that merits, that merits, excuse me, merits, um, you know, more meditation. What does it mean? Are we in that adventure with Christ? Do we truly live with Christ? Because yesterday we celebrated World Mission Sunday, and I've been on mission trips three times right before I entered seminary and over three summers in high school, and I was talking about how that was just one of the great adventures of my life because it was with Christ. It was with other missionaries or other like-minded young people that went out to serve the poor, to preach the gospel and bring the gospel to the poor, when in reality the poor were bringing the gospel to us. And I went into so many stories that I could dedicate another episode of this podcast to the stories from from my missionary days. But I I, I wanted to bring it back to John Paul II, II because... John Paul II was a missionary pope. John Paul II went out into the entire world to preach the good news, just like Jesus said. And he went to every country. He was allowed. He really only ones he really didn't get to go to were pretty much, if you look at the big ones, mm-hmm. were China and the Soviet Union. And you know, he did so much and brought the gospel, brought the tangible presence of Jesus Christ to so many people. And so there were a couple of quotes that that I was meditating upon last Friday when we celebrated the feast day of. St. John Paul II, and he says, one of, the, one of the ones that really got to me was, what really matters in life is that we are loved by Christ and that we love him in return. In comparison to the love of Jesus, everything else is secondary. And without the love of Jesus, everything is useless. And that's what the poor that I experienced while on missions experienced every day. You know, they, they transmitted at least to us missionaries, they tr- transmitted the love of Jesus Christ and realized that the, without the love of Jesus Christ, everything was useless. Everything, everything, everything is useless. And so John Paul II went throughout the world, and especially to the young people. And when he preaches to the young people, obviously he's preaching to the entire church. And this is one of my favorite quotes that he says to young people. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society. And one more quote. It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. And so those quotes... I gave you, I think, three quotes there from yep. St. John Paul II. Those three quotes 
kind of obviously they don't encapsulate the totality of his, of his papal teachings, but they're so rich because they challenge us to find Jesus and to walk with him in this great adventure of Christianity, to be able to find that ideal which is Jesus and not to be, I love it, and he says, not to be ground down in mediocrity, but also to seek him out. That happiness that you seek is Jesus. He is waiting for you. When nothing else you find satisfies you, and that goes to yesterday's gospel where you had the blind man, Bartimaeus, that screamed out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me, have mercy on me, have compassion on me. And I, I love the desperation that comes out in the in his in his screaming out. And so you, you, you literally sent you feel it. You and so I went from a Jean Paul yeah. II quote to a Father <laughs> Manny quote, saying, "If only we were as desperate yeah. as that blind man to scream out to Jesus, even though people are shushing us, mm-hmm. and to spring." I love the the the, the detail of Saint Mark. He sprang up when Jesus called him, and not only to scream out to Jesus, but to spring up, to run to Jesus. We need that desperation in our lives, because if we want that happiness that John Paul is talking about, we're not going to find it. What we're going to find is mediocrity, and we're going to be mired in mediocrity, both as a church and as Christians and as a society. Yeah, and, And John Paul II himself is such a model of that. Because everything he went through in his life, and and again we could we could spend you know three three episodes three weeks here nonstop talking about John Paul II and and his extraordinary life, but everything he went through, not just as a pope but but as a man as as a boy living through through the Nazi invasion of his country, staring down communism around the world, the the examples go on and on and on, but the happiness and the joy that he lived with, and even into his into his old age as he was. Uh, you know, battling battling the the crippling diseases and you know an assassination attempt. You just go through the list, and yet he lived to the very very end with this incredible joy, you know, with this with this deep happiness that the world couldn't rob him of because he was so grounded in Jesus Christ. Okay, so you were asking me what happened in my homily yesterday, and you know, I I did the twelve thirty mass and I preached about my missionary trips. To Mexico, and it was good that I was preaching in Spanish because I was feeling I was preaching to my old, you know, the old, you know, it's thirty, be thirty years ago this summer that I made my first missionary trip. Wow, it's a long time, and (laughs) I'm old. And so, one of the things that um, actually, you know, thirty years ago this past summer that I did my first missionary trip, and so one of the things that I was thinking about was all those people that were that were there that were young. Because I was there, and I talked about the bravado that I went on a missionary trip, and so I've been listening to all. I spent my entire life, fifteen at the time, yeah. listening to all these stories of all these great missionaries, all these saints of the church that went with their Bible in their hand over to mission lands and converted the heathens and all that stuff. And these are people that did not need conversion. These are people who are faithful Catholics, just that we were going to help out a priest right. that had so many villages. And so many people to take care of. He was one priest in a town surrounded by 59 villages. And he would visit these villages each, and each village had a chapel. Maybe, maybe every two to three to four months. So we would go to bring the good news. We would go on behalf of him, on behalf right. of the local bishop. And the people treated us like like we were angels. And it was it was amazing. And, and we're like, and so for a 15-year-old, that props up your ego. You know, that, you know, in, and people that know me know that, you know, I have a healthy ego to begin with, so um, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> you're very, you're there. Tra- you don't, you can't see Jorge, but he's there biting his lip, trying not to say anything. Anyhow, so we get down there, and I'm, I'm all fired up, and I'm there, and I'm 15 years old, and I'm ready to set the world on fire. And what do they tell me? They split up. You know, they, we do catechesis every night, and we split up. You know, the adults, the teenagers, and the children. And they tell young 15-year-old Manny, you and that other girl take care of the children while we give catechesis. I'm like, what now? I came all this way to babysit. Yep. And, and that's, that's mission territory right that, there. Yeah, and, and now these children, I hear about them every now and then. 
These children are in their 30s, 40s. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of one in particular. She was 11 years old when, um, when, and she was our guide, 11 years old, this little girl. And she would be our guide taking us from house to house in the village because this village was, was, wasn't, was you know, around the chapel like most were. You know, it was like they were all the how, all the little huts. Can't, you can't yeah. even call them houses. Were shacks were maybe half a mile apart from each other in these big swaths of land. And she would take us to them. 11 years old, and now she's probably 41. And Lord knows how many children she had because she was one of, I want to say, 10 or 11 children herself. Wow. And she was the Oh, she was the second oldest child. I mean, excuse me, second oldest daughter, and so she was charged with taking care of the little boys who were rambunctious. So I had to take care of all these rambunctious kids. So the first thing I learned in mission work was humility, and it was very important because obviously the thoughts of the priesthood started stirring when I was on mission work, mm-hmm. and so all these things were in my heart. So John Paul II was the Pope during that time, so beloved in Mexico. He loved Mexico so much. He loved Our Lady of Guadalupe yep. so much. You could, I mean, I still remember his last trip to Mexico. We all knew it was his last trip and how emotional that was. And the people loved him. And we brought him teachings of John Paul II. So we were there. And so I was thinking about that yesterday while I was preaching the homily, while I was giving a little, a little anecdotes. I didn't go in detail as I did just now. But, you know, I was just had this... This longing and thinking about, you know, these people, if I were to stand, you know, and I, the last time I went was the summer that I, right before I entered seminary. And if I were to stand behind the altar now and look out at them, and I did, you know, many, many a time we had to do, we didn't have a priest, so we had to do liturgy of the word. So I learned how to do liturgy of the words when I was 16 and 17 Mm -hmm. years old. You know, when I would look out at these people and now 30 years later, you know, they, you know, gray hair, older, maybe they're not there. The older generation is right. not there. It reminds me of a scene at the end, and not giving anything away, of probably the greatest, not I mean, not probably, the greatest foreign movie that's ever been made called Cinema Paradiso, where uh, a young man who had left the town and was told, don't come, you know, by his mentor, mm-hmm. don't come back. Go out, seek, seek fortune. Don't come back. But he does come back when his mentor passes away. And I'm not giving anything away. That happens at the beginning of the movie. But... When he's at the funeral, this man, he looks around and sees the old faces of the people that he encountered during his childhood. And that's what I was thinking about yesterday, is that if I were to stand in front of these people, you know, how have they changed in their life of Christ? How have I changed in my life in Christ? And then I get to give, I got to give props to our music director because he called an audible, stepped up to the line. An offertory song came, and he started singing a song that wasn't in the bulletin, mm. wasn't planned. It's called "Ama Misionera," Missionary Spirit. Oh, nice! Yep. And I just lost it, lost it. Started crying in the middle of mass. I was sitting in my chair. Thankfully, Deacon Flatus was there preparing the altar, and I got up and my eyes were closed during the offering. Thankfully, he was still singing, and and he was still singing and all that. And, and I always keep a handkerchief uh, in my pocket because a gentleman always keeps a handkerchief on him. And um, that's what Robert De Niro, De Niro says in, uh, what movie is it? The Intern. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and I was like there and, and and I didn't reach for the handkerchief because I was offering the gifts. And then I started doing the prayer, uh, the prayer over the gifts and the preface. W- my eyes just welled up in oh. tears. And of course, when you tear up, you, yep. know, the, you know, the nose starts running as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like... You know, Father, all powerful, God, I'm like a bumbling mess. And so you, my mother was there. And of course, my mother picks it up. You were crying during mass, weren't you? I'm like, of course, you know, yeah, mom, I was, you know, because moms pick it up. For sure. And then uh, we went out to have the lunch and we ran into your sister and she says, oh, Father Manny cried during mass. I go, gee, thanks, mom. And so she shows them, and Izzy, who was there also. You know, shows in the video because it was live streaming, right. and, and obviously the the, the camera is far, far away. And I thank Bernardo for not zooming in on the. I don't even know. I don't think Bernardo was there. I think it was just the yeah, it daily. Was just a static it was image, just a static yeah. image of daily yeah. mass. But if Bernardo was there, it would have been zoomed in on me, and I was, you know, I could care less if people saw me cry because 
You know, you want to see your priest of course, be real, of course. your priest be raw, yep. your priest be like, you know, and so that song, you know, so many times people come to me and say, Father, you move me with these words, or but sometimes those songs, you know, when you, they recall a memory, a memory, especially a memory you have of the spiritual life, mm-hmm. they hit you hard. Yep. They hit you really, really hard. So Lewis, yeah, he and I told him after Mass, man, he hit me. Uh, and, and Adriano was there who helps him out on, on the bongos, and, and he was saying... And he was saying how that song also, you know, because he went on those missions as well before he started doing the trips to Haiti and how that transformed his life. But, you know, to bring it back to John Paul II and the mission and World Mission Sunday, it's just a reminder to each and every one of us that we are called to live this marvelous relationship with Christ that is a great, a marvelous adventure. That we are called to seek out the happiness that we seek is found only in Him and it's only found in sharing that joy with others because if not, we will leave, lead lives that are mired in mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah, and you said you'd like to see your priest be real and and that's part of what uh made Father Stephen's homily on on Sunday so uh unique is because I mean we rarely hear about a second collection you know, in a homily. And and yet he went all in on it because he himself is a missionary priest and and he was telling stories of you know, he he wouldn't be a Catholic, he wouldn't be a priest. Yeah, he's he, he wouldn't. Story, yeah. He wouldn't be here ministering to us if it weren't for the, the Irish, the Irish missionaries yeah. who who went and 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 brought the gospel, you know, to Nigeria. To Nigeria. Uh, so, so we get to hear you know his personal stories and you know kind of you know his his faith history. But then the genius of of uh, what he had to say is, you know, he's he's talking to us about how we can be missionaries. And and this is what I love because he says, you know, it's just as simple as, you know, do you go to work the next day on Monday and say, you know, the readings this weekend were great and, and here let me tell you what my priest had to say. Yeah, and that's that's the mission territory that most of us are faced with. You know, because we're not gonna have the opportunity to go, you know, to to you know, to Mexico or, or to the migrant farms in Virginia like I did one summer or or you know, you name you name the place around the world. Our mission territories are our own families, mm-hmm. our workplaces, the, the people we interact with on a daily basis. You know, and, and we don't like to see ourselves as missionaries sometimes. And but yet, yet, that's, and yet bap- that's the call of the gospel. That's what we're baptized to do. Jesus says it, go out into all nations, yep. preach the gospel. And being a missionary could be as, you know, if you want to do something very simple, share this podcast. Yep. You know, if you want, you know, G, you know, Father Stephen was saying, let me... Tell you what my priest said yesterday. Well, here's what your priest said yesterday. I'm recording it right now. Okay. Share it. You know, share it with others because this is good news. This is news that that people need to hear. That's why John Paul II's words, you know, were so powerful because when he would preach, obviously, like, you know, Jesus would say, like the gospel would say, he preached with authority, Mm -hmm. just like Jesus. You know, that's what, what drew people to Jesus in the Gospels. And that's what drew people to John Paul II. You know, and it draws people to the popes, to Benedict, to Francis. Why? Because they were preaching with the authority that Jesus gave to Peter. And with a fearlessness. Oh, with total fearlessness. Um, just, I, we, we don't have time to go into it much, but, but just look up the story of John Paul II in Poland when, mm-hmm. when he went back. Oh, solidarity and all that, yeah. yeah. And, and just the... The long-term effects, not just in Poland but around the world, that that one encounter had—it's oh, fascinating, fascinating history, uh, not just church history, but but world history. Yeah. But but again, that fearlessness to to stand up and and th- and say the truth and and preach the truth with conviction. And he did it here in this country. Yep. There, there's um there's a homily, and most now thankfully because of the. The wonder of YouTube, you can find these homilies, you can see his inflection, his mannerisms, his 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 grit, his his passion while he's preaching. And there's a homily that he gave, I want to say Madison Square Garden in 1979, that he's preaching to young people, that he's preaching to us as Americans with such conviction. Fast forward, oh, 30-some-odd uh, years, or 40 years, and, you know, almost 40 years, and then Pope Francis in that same arena, the Mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden, where the Knicks play. 
And and here are these two popes. And and when Pope Francis came here, I believe it was five years ago, five, six years ago, he gave such a, the most brilliant homily he gave on his entire trip was there in Madison Square Garden. What I call, what I like to coin the homily of the, you know, on the street, of the street. Because he's talking about all the people we run into on the street. Because New York is always hustle and bustle yep. and, and, you know, and, and people walking around and ignoring each other and all that. And running into each other. That's why we love New York, you know. Or at least that's why I love New York. And so he's there and he's talking about the stranger, people we ignore. people, And he, and he goes deeper than that. And I invite you to, to look at both those homilies. You know, Francis in 2015 and and John Paul II in St. John Paul II in 1979 in Madison Square Garden because, you know, especially, you know, now the, I don't remember if Francis gave that homily in English. He may have given it in Spanish. Uh, the only things he gave in, you gave very few things in, in English. One of them was the address to Congress, which was also brilliant. But John Paul II had such a command of languages. And when he spoke in English, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know he would he would do it with such power and he, and even in Spanish. That's why whenever the Pope, when Francis, you know, switches over to Spanish, you see he's he, you know he has a great command of the of Italian right. language yeah, thanks but, to his grandmother. But you get the natural. Oh, it's it's just amazing. After he became Pope and he traveled over here for the first time, and then and you really get the off the cuff. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, so you know, but for for good or bad, <laughs> yeah. So so Francis <laughs> does you know when he when he goes into Spanish, you see you know just more natural, what he used to do in Buenos Aires. Right. You know, he would just just let her rip. And doesn't matter, and, and, and it's a tsunami. And if we get you get caught in the wake, tough luck. But that's the tsunami of the love of God. And that's the love of God that John Paul called us to, that, you know, you know let's bring in Benedict here, because I had a great quote from Benedict the other day that I saw that I thought was, and it was also addressed to young people. Dear young people, the and it, and it goes back to something John Paul II mm. talking about was happiness. Benedict said, "Dear young people, the happiness you are seeking, the happiness you have a right to enjoy, has a name and a face. It is Jesus of Nazareth, hidden in the Eucharist. That's why we've been so blessed as a church with our recent popes because they have brought us this realness mm-hmm. of the gospel and have implored us." Not only to seek that happiness out, but to share that happiness with others. Because here, to bring it full circle to yesterday's gospel, look at what happened to Bartimaeus. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. They rebuked him, told him to be silent because he kept calling out of more. Why son of David? That's so important that he was saying that. He was giving Jesus his rightful messianic title, son of David. In his blindness, he could see Jesus better than his own disciples, better than the people surrounding him in Jericho. Jesus stopped and said, called him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up, he is calling you. Threw aside his cloak, sprang up. That's what I love that line. Sprang up, came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine if Jesus stood in front of you and asked you, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed him on the way. And this is what comes full circle. He receives this happiness, this freedom, this joy, this healing from Jesus, follows him. And now, as John Paul II says, he embarks on this wonderful adventure with Jesus Christ. And that's what he calls all of us to do. That's what he's, he's asking us to do, is to join him and say, you know what, John Paul II, he's a saint. Life with Christ is a wonderful adventure. It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else in this world can satisfy you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We look for it in so many different places. And that's why I got emotional yesterday. Because at its core, the greatest faith that I have ever encountered, and this is no slight to all my personal I've had in eight different parishes over 19 and a half years of priesthood. The deepest faith that I've encountered has been in Mexico among the poor. Why? Because they have nothing. All they have is their trust and their love in God. 
We're weighed down here by possessions. We're enslaved. We're shackled to the things that we have in this world. And like I said, I've encountered people with beautiful faith here in the United States in the first world. But when you deal with the poor, why do you think it drew Mother Teresa yep. to, to help the poor? Because she would see Jesus in them. And I see Jesus in my parishioners every day. But when I think of my time 30 years ago in the missions, and that's what got me emotional yesterday, it was encountering Jesus almost on a moment-by-moment basis because of the things that they would do for us. Like I said, we would went down there to bring them the gospel. But they were, we would always say every year when we go back, we go, we go kind of selfishly because we know they're going to give us far more than we give them. And so that's... You know, the desire that should be in our hearts, wanting to be happy, wanting to be with Jesus, and having the same desperation as the blind man to call out to Jesus, to ask for healing, and to run to him when he calls us. Because that's the happiness that we seek. That's the wonderful adventure that awaits us when we have a life with Christ. And Father, I want to finish off this first segment because this weekend uh, we had, for the sec- actually for the second weekend in a row, a, an in-person retreat. And it was the first parent retreat that we'd had in just about exactly two years. Uh, we had our, all our confirmation candidates, parents and sponsors uh, come together like we do every single year uh, to, to kind of just feed them a little bit. Because they're going to be walking with these candidates over these next few months as, as, the, as these young people prepare for confirmation. And you want to talk about prime mission territory. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going back to, to our youth. And you said something uh, very important to them. And, and it's really a, a good reminder uh, to all of us is that so many people live in their devices now, you know, in this fake world of TikTok. You and, said that as I put down my phone. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, but but it's true. We, we find we, we're living in this in this fake reality, mm-hmm. you know, of social media and and you know, you said you you wanted people to see the truth, you know, take a picture of yourself right after you wake up in the morning and post that. Yeah. You know, instead we get all this uh, ex- ultra Filter, filters. Yeah. And, you know, and and my talk to the parents was really qu- focused on the question that Jesus asks, you know, who do you say that I am? And then I kind of flipped that and said, you know, let's us ask Jesus, who do you say that I am? Mm. You know, and, and then I, I tie that I tied that in with confirmation, you know, because as as happened at the baptism of the Lord, you know, the voice of God cries out, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And what greater confirmation is there than than for God to look upon each one of us and say, you know, you are my beloved, you know, I love you, I care for you, you have your identity grounded in me. You know, so so I want to talk about, I want to wrap up with this phenomenal retreat that we had, not just the joy of, of being back in person and together as, as a community. I was thrilled. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but to talk a little bit about about this, this new mission territory that we have in dealing with this fake reality. And, and we've spoken about it on the podcast before, the, mm-hmm. the, the fakeness of all of this. Uh, you know, but to get back to the authenticity of ourselves, grounded in Jesus Christ on this incredible adventure together. There, there, was, there is one quote that comes to mind of John Paul II that has to do with this, and has to do with that question you asked the parents. Allow Christ to find you. And here's the thing, is that Christ won't find the filtered you. Christ won't find the, the you that you put out to society on these social mediums. Christ will find the authentic you. The one that wakes up, you know, looking disheveled in the morning and, you know, that may be dealing with all sorts of issues. And whatever it is that you're dealing with, with this, your sin, your addictions, your, your, the weight that you, whatever it is that you have, illness, doesn't matter. Vices, doesn't matter. That's where Christ wants to meet you at. Because that's where the healing begins. And that's where John Paul II would say that, you know, that's where that encounter, and even, well, the word encounter, you know, Pope Francis uses it more. You know, that's where that, that encounter begins. And so on, on, uh, on, on Saturdays, we, as I looked out and saw all these parents and sponsors, and it was, it was a lot of fun to see 
you know, so many of our kids that were confirming me two mm -hmm. or three years ago come back to be sponsors of their younger brothers and sisters. Yeah, if I can, it's always fascinating to have this retreat because you've got you've got the grandparents who are picked the sponsors, you've got the older siblings, you've got yeah. the aunts and uncles, the friends. It's a so lot, it's a wide so swan. you're looking at your oh, you know, 150, 200 people, you know, gathered together, and and you've literally got you're running the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big uh, it's a big demo group. Um, but no, if we allow Christ to find us where we are at. Not where we want to be, not where we've been, but where we are at right now. Because he knows what's in our hearts. He knows the troubles that we're going through. He knows, you know, we can't hide from God. So if we allow Jesus to come into our hearts and to transform us there, because what did Bartimaeus bring him? His blindness. This, mor uh, this morning in the gospel, it's a crippled woman who's been crippled for 18 years by, by, this, by an evil spirit. And Jesus, you know, she doesn't ask for anything. She's just sitting there in, in, in the synagogue. And he heals her, just like that. And she is set free. And so Jesus wants to set us free. Jesus wants us to be happy. And that's something that I don't think we can repeat enough because it doesn't enter our thick skulls enough. Jesus wants us to be happy. Now, this isn't happy, happy, joy, joy, prosperity, gospel gunk that I'm, that I'm shoveling here. Okay? This is deep. This is something real. This is something that we have to remind ourselves every day because yes, we have harsh encounters every day and yes, we have troubles every day and yes, we have troubles with our families and troubles with our parents and troubles with our children and troubles with whatever sin what we may be de dealing with or addiction or vice. But with all of that, even if we're going through adversity, our Lord wants us to share his joy. And why is it that I'm not just peddling prosperity gospel heresy? Because Jesus says it in the gospel. In the gospel of St. John, mm -hmm. I give you my joy so that your joy may be complete. He wants us to live in that joy. And so we thank the Lord for giving us this joy and thank the Lord for giving us this wonderful St. John Paul II who calls us to join Christ in this wonderful adventure. Amen. running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? It's all about the you. Yeah. we. You, know, you want to start there? Let's, Let's start, start there. there. Okay, Let's start there. Good stuff. You knew we were going to win this game somehow. And Did we? You know, I... I, I now I say it, and you're like, "No, no, you didn't." But this was this was one of those classic Miami Hurricanes. You think the season's over? They're going to beat a ranked team. They're somehow going to beat Pitt this weekend. We do it every year, and then we're just going to, you know, we soil, do it every year. soil ourselves against the nobody <laughs> later on in the season because it's the it's the inevitable cycle, right? Oh, you, you get our hopes up, and then Pitt's good. Pitt is good. They kicked Clemson Pitt up and looks, down that field. Looks the other day. good. And, and um, as disappointing as it is to be a hurricane, how much worse must it be to be a Clemson fan right now? I don't care. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> listen, they have a couple of national championships in the last five years that they could go sleep on. And Yeah, but you want to talk about a, a hard fall from grace right there. Yeah, Trevor Oof. Lawrence isn't there. I, yep. I mean, Travis Etienne isn't there. Uh, I mean, the defense seems to be, you know, okay, but the offense but they isn't there. Points. They can't points. No, they can't. They can't. Uh, the, the UM game. Uh, several things about that. Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, boy came to play. He yep. backed up his talk. Yep. He, I didn't. I didn't know until the, the you know because I I don't I don't have time for all the the noise during the week and and I don't follow as much as I used to. I didn't know about his comments. I believe it was last Tuesday about him talking no, smack I, about. I uh, saw a headline about it on Saturday morning. No. I think I had not heard about his comments about the NC State yep. defense. And yes, they are very good defense. They're ranked 18th in the country and. And, and, and deservedly so after you look at the, the stats they had. But here's a greater stat. He backed, not only did he back up those, you know, the trash talking, because you, you, know, you used to see that from the Canes all the yep. time, 
But it's like, you know, we have been writing checks we have in cash for the last 20 years. Now this kid comes in and not only writes a check, he cashes it with, in spades. Oh, yeah. Uh, NC State was the best team in the country in third down third conversion. Down. Yep. You, you know, Travis Eat, I mean, sorry, Travis Van Dyke. Had, wait, that's not his name. Tyler. Tyler, Tyler Van Dyke. I'm like, thinking I'm of Travis Etienne. <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke, TVD, had a perfect passer rating on third and fourth down yep. on Saturday night. You know, and my goodness, we've discovered that we could throw the ball down, down the field, field, that we don't have to do bubble screens, that we don't have to do little, you know, little hooks and stuff like that to get the receiver free. And we've discovered Will Mallory exists. You know, it's like wow! Imagine and, and that. A, and they got Arroyo in there too. They got Arroyo. was was great. I mean, Rooster was was great. He needs. We need a little thunder and lightning. I don't know who yeah. else we got back there, but Rooster needs a spell every now and then. Um, but it 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 was just a, a phenomenally pl- well played game by both sides, and both sides and both finally and finally a, a a pretty decently coached game. Decent. De- yeah. <laughs> B- because here's the thing. For every bonehead uh, decision the Miami coaches made, the NC State made three more. Yeah. They coached a terrible game. We usually don't see things from the other side, and I'm thinking they should not be going forward on fourth yeah. down with 3.15 left on the clock. When you have such a great defense, mm-hmm. you pin us back, and you force to punt. For sure. But they went for it, and uh, Kitchen's that great open field tackle. My goodness, that was a, as good a textbook tackle. Like they know how to tackle, so that was a great game. Didn't come down to a last minute field goal or a doink or anything like that. It was well played. No, it it just came down to a, a third and long right around midfield. Oh no, and that but that was amazing. <laughs> and the chuspa that, that God, Manny it's showed. Nice to convert that right because that's the play that we always give up. But and it was, it's nice to be on the it other was a side. Beautifully thrown ball. Yes, it was by TVD and. And just you know, yeah, that's the ball game. You w- you know, it's it's like we criticize Manny against Virginia because for not doing that. No. So he did it this week. Now, we always say winning is a great deodorant. Doesn't take away our problems. No. We know this applies to another football team. We know we have talent, but it's just putting them in the position to execute, no. to you know, to let that talent flourish. Having the 2001 team there on the sidelines had to be some encouragement. But I had a problem after the game. I think I shared I don't know if I shared it with you or not. They were selling, and, and listen, they, they had a, what, a three or four game winning streak, a losing streak. It was Virginia, I think, uh, I think Virginia, North Carolina right before that yeah. was, um, I think it was three. Sparty. 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 It was Sparty. Three, three or four. Yeah. Who, who knows? So yeah, they won a game the first time in a month. Yes, you should celebrate. But they were celebrating beating NC State. Like if they had just beaten their yeah. rivals FSU or if they just won the Natty. Come on, dudes. I mean, again, I'm not in that locker room. When I was a Dolphins, we'd celebrate stupid wins as well. You know, teams that we should beat. Because, you know, winning is a razor's edge sometimes. Sure. But it's like, you know, this is where we've fallen. That we're celebrating beating 18th ranked NC State. Like we beat, you know, like we were beating Oklahoma back in the 80s or beating Nebraska back in the 80s. Or beating, you know, the, you name it. The, you name it. <laughs> if we would have beaten Alabama the first game of the year, oh, yes, yeah. then you celebrate and go all out and all that stuff. But it's like, I'm sorry for throwing, you know, cold water on everybody right now, but it was it, it just didn't sit well with me because this is the University of Miami or was the University of Miami? I don't know, but it was. A, I was happy. We went to bed. Yeah, you know, and with, woke with up a, and was like a smile on our face, and then Sunday uh, came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the. Or I should say, then then the sports on Sunday because Sunday itself no no is Sunday's beautiful. great yeah Sunday morning was great where where do we begin <sighs> where do we begin because we did this last week the side where do we begin uh, Tua played good well had those two boneheaded picks bone oh man the one down the middle but Carly what was he thinking you know our Carly uh, friend of the show made a very good point to me yesterday. Because this is where the Fitzpatrick probably hurt Tua last year. That he could have gotten these out of his system if he would have played all last year. And we would have gotten a better draft pick also. And I'll get to the draft in a second. Which we would have somehow wasted. Oh, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, th- those throws were both after the interception from, you know, by, by, by X-Man, 
You throw a pick, you know, and earlier in the game, you throw a pick in the end zone, which is a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Try to force that in there. Um, but we were down 10 in the fourth quarter, brought us back Out and back. gave us a lead and say, defense, it's all on you. And this defense, which was all world last year, suddenly does not know how to defend. And here's where I'm going to get into the draft. And this is where I was going bonkers yesterday. Dolphins had the third pick in the NFL draft last year that belonged to Houston. And you had. And you wanted the Gator. You know what? And the Gator bit us. (laughs) Bit us hard. Two long throws on that last drive. Now, yes, he he has a good quarterback. Not great. I've never been sold on Matt Ryan. Hot and cold. Matty Ice can be ice cold. It can be warm hot. Never been sold on him. I do not subscribe to the theory back when we had the first round pick in, I want to say 2008, that we should have taken him over Jake Long. Jake Long, if he would have stayed healthy, would have been a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Did not want Matty Ice then, do not want Matty Ice now. But he made the throws to Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Pitts made some incredible catches. But here's what I'm saying about the draft. We had the third pick in the draft, but because we were settled, because we settled on Waddle, who at last week I said, we, tra- we drafted Jarvis Landry, which is fine. It's good. Yeah. Well, you need a Jarvis Landry. You need a possession receiver. And 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 he could scoot just like Dar- Jarvis Landry and could probably be a little bit better than Jarvis Landry. There's potential there. But, but he's not a generational talent. He's not a generational talent. He's not a tight end who scorched you for 163 mm. yards and seven catches last yesterday. You saw on display the incompetency of our scouting department and of our oh, general here manager. Comes, here comes Angry Manny. Angry Manny. Okay. The incompetency <laughs> of 10 years that I've been around this football team. Give it to me again. Let's go. That has not been able to draft a competent offensive line. The incompetency of looking at Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals smoke Baltimore in Baltimore and Jamar Chase going for eight catches and 203 yards. I just saw a video a little while ago before we started the sports segment of him taking, you know, the same throws we throw to, to Jalen Waddle, oh. taking a five-yard little hook and turning Breaking it into it. an 80-yard gain yep. to the house. So I'm sorry. It lies at the feet of our... And the reason I'm angry is because they have not come out and said... Tua is our quarterback because Tua is not the problem. He's in his second year. If you want to know about second-year quarterbacks, talk to a Buffalo fan. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen is right now lighting up the league. Yes, they lost last week in a heartbreaker to Tennessee. But they're going to kill us on Sunday Halloween in Orchard Park. I've been to Orchard Park. My goodness, that is a great venue. I know you want to go up for the pregame. No, absolutely. For the pregame, the pregame you know, it's just great. The pregame was always hilarious. You know, we always went in there with the bravado. We were going to win. I you never. Want, you want to be on that bus this weekend? The, you know, driving, or in. at least somebody FaceTime me because <laughs> it, it it's just amazing. The, the people, God bless them, running. You know, thriving through tables. But here's what I'm getting at: is that these Watson rumors don't go away. What are we talking about? We're talking about Awful. a man. Who Awful. we don't know is if he's going to be allowed to play. This is a man who is under federal investigation, has 22 lawsuits, and we're talking about trading and a stand-up one, citizen. two, and three first-round picks, which would cripple our franchise. We talk about that we've lost a generation of Dolphin fans because in the last 20 years we've been irrelevant. 20. No, no, 20. 20. Okay, we went to the playoffs 20 years ago in 2001. We had Ricky Williams. We had Dan Marino. We had Jason Taylor and and Zach Thomas, who belongs in the Hall of Fame. We were relevant in the early 2000s. Okay, and then it disappeared. It disappeared. And we've lost. And the Heat have taken over. One and one. Should have won on Saturday. Spo, learn to use timeouts. And the Panthers 5-0-0. 5-0-0. Look at that. The, the you had a great team. stat for me on that one. Yes, the Panthers are 5-0-0, the Marlins' longest win streak this season. Here we go. Four games. 
We won four. We put them together four we games put together in a row. Four games in there a row. I don't know which four it was. Yeah. I, just, I saw the I saw the stat earlier, but <laughs> so to wrap up that thing, what are we talking about? Why why are, why are we talking about this? Because to me, it's like first of all, there well, you, is not. You, you know why we're talking, but we can't get into that on on a no recording. no. I know I know what we're talking, <laughs> but here's the thing: is that we are currently sitting at one and six. Okay, we could reel off ten in a row. And may still not make the playoffs. Yep. No, there's an extra game, so that would be eleven and six. So, but still, Deshaun Watson's not going to do that for you. He's definitely not going to do it on a. Let's say you trade for him right now. He's definitely not going to do it in Orchard Park on Sunday. And the two, and I said this three weeks ago that we had two games against Jacksonville, the worst team in the league. Okay, and they beat us. Atlanta, who loves to give up. You know, mm-hmm. Leeds, going back to that Super Bowl, 28-3, yep. they gave it up yesterday. Yep. But we gave it right back to them. And we've had three walk-off losses against Las Vegas in overtime, against uh, Jacksonville last week, against Atlanta yesterday. And I'm looking at Pitts. I'm looking at Chase. I'm not even looking at, at Justin Herbert anymore because none of us wanted Herbert. Everybody wanted to. And he can be it. You just have to surround him with good yep. coaching, he has a grasp of the offense. He is more confident in there. He will get this straightened out in terms. I believe in that. Yep. Okay. I, you know, my my secretary texted me. No, do I not see? But yeah, I'm like <laughs> when he threw that pick and you know, after at the end of the you know in the, in the early fourth quarter, I'm like chill. Yeah. Chill. I mean, it was, it was a bad. It was a bad throw. It was a bad pick. No, no. But, both but it's were gonna bad, happen. Both it's gonna were happen. bad picks. It's gonna happen. I saw Dan Marino throw bad yeah. picks. I've seen Tom Brady throw bad yeah. picks. Okay, but even if Tom Brady walks through the door right now, sure. we're not reeling off ten in a row. For sure, the season is done. Oh, it is you're, you're done. Going there, you're the, you're. It is done. You've proclaimed it. Okay, you know what I was. Wa- <laughs> you know what I was doing last night. Something that we've been doing the last three years, unfortunately, because we don't have our draft choice. The Eagles have our draft choice. I think we're second or third or something like that in the draft order now. I was hope I was praying last night that San Francisco lost that game at home last night to Indy, which they did, because we have their draft choice and they only have two wins, and they have a myriad of injuries. So we had to pray that San Francisco has a bad record so we use that pick. Yep. That's where we are. That's where we've been for the last upteen years. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. You know what? And it goes back. For, I'm thinking of week one, watching this 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 game with Carly and Nancy from the call. The, the one against New England, and it was, you know, the defense held them late. X-Man came and, and popped the ball out yep. for a fumble, and we won the game. And when the game was, because we had expectations, and I go, I haven't felt these expectations. I haven't felt this pressure, you know, or this excitement at the end of a game in years. And then? Disappears. <laughs> Disappears on the fourth play yep. against Buffalo when they knocked two out of the game. And that's where we are. And when you have... Kyle Pitts in front of you, okay? People that make decisions. You're there, and you're watching a guy that you could have stayed at three mm-hmm. and not mortgaged that pick to Philly to get a future first-round pick in 2023. When we really don't, we shouldn't have needed it. Nope. Keep building for the future. For uh, what? Win now. Win now, Win baby. now. Because, we, you, know, I, you know, Philly is doing pretty well. No, they got smoked yesterday. You know, so, but I mean, could have been doing pretty well. You don't know what they're going to be doing in two years. Yep. Look at, again, look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's where we should be right now. Went into Baltimore, beat Baltimore. Joe Burrow to Chase and a bunch of receivers that are huge. Mm-hmm. Turned it around like that. That's where we should be. And I'm like going, why? What's the problem? Because the coach is the same coach as pretty much as last year. Why aren't they praying with the same intensity? Or Flo used the word juice. When they asked him if you know if, if coming back from London and playing on a short week, I don't you know, buy it. No, I don't. They buy played. It. They played well yeah, enough to win. To they win. were in a position yep. to win. The defense didn't do it down the, because nope. the guy you should have taken at number three, and if you didn't want a tight end because we have a great tight end in Mike Kosicki, and and Ashley said it, she couldn't be here today, but Ashley said it a couple weeks. Gave that man his money. Mm-hmm. He has played great. So yeah, you, if you didn't want the tight end, you could have taken Chase. We would have we would have messed that up also. <laughs> Just like I told you a couple weeks ago, we would have messed up Herbert also. Herbert looked horrible last week against Baltimore. And look, and then 
Joey Burrow comes in there mm-hmm. and smokes him and with lights Chase. it up. And that that was several surprising wins. And then uh, Kansas City getting smoked by the Titans. Bloom is off the rose in in, in in Arrowhead. Wow, was not look did not see that one coming. You know, so who are your favorites? And uh, let's go in college, and you know, and then we got to go into the World Series really quick. Yes. Okay, so. In college right now, it's Georgia and everybody else. It's Georgia and then a drop, Al- a large drop off yeah. to everybody. I mean, else. Alabama started off slow against Tennessee, but, but they, you know they, that's going to be a great SEC. Championship they've looked game. more and more human. Yeah, but so. you know what? Just have the SEC championship, you know, be and, the and, be and, the and national chat and just end it there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw the Canes are back in the bowl predictions, which we're, we're, and we are forecast and and here we go uh, and I oh actually actually not here. She would love this for the Fenway Bowl. There's going to be a, a game in Boston? Yeah, the Fenway Bowl. That's that's where the latest prediction has oh, us playing. Sakes. I don't know who we're playing, son, nobody, but <sighs> but it'll be sweet to go to play in Fenway. We did it, we did it in, in Yankee Stadium yep. and laid an egg up there. It was against, it was, we always play Wisconsin. We yep. play Wisconsin every year. Uh, so that nine-overtime game between oh, uh, Illinois and that Penn State. That was crazy. That, that was dumb. I hate this new rule. No, no, it's dumb. It's dumb. The two-point Absolutely conversion. Absolutely dumb. And they're walking up and down the no. field, back and forth. Ohio State is fine. It's <laughs> it's found as moxie again. Oregon had too much trouble with UCLA there. Yep. You know, uh, they and they have talent. So we'll see what happens. And in the NFL, you have in the NFC, you have Tampa Bay. Obviously, smoked Chicago and Soldier Field yesterday. I don't believe Dallas did, played. Did this you see the story with the six hundredth TD ball? Yeah, that was he, he, they. Threw the TD, the ball in into the, the fans, and then they had to negotiate with the fan to get it back. They don't, yeah, not bad, man. He got another game ball and a thousand dollar gift card to the team store. There you go. That's you know, buy 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 a bunch of game balls. But then the story came out: the ball on auction would have gone for like half a million dollars. Well, you know, <laughs> it's tough. So, Tampa Bay, Dallas, uh, the Rams. I'm not sold on you know as being you know, but I I think that Tampa Bay and and Dallas. And, and, you know, Dolphin fans, you want to feel better, look at Detroit. You know, they came out the first six minutes, had an onside kick and a fake punt, and were actually leading the Rams. That's why I don't trust the Rams. And then you have to also mention Arizona and the Packers, who, who play on Thursday night. That's going to be nice. a great game on nice. Thursday night. And Arizona's still undefeated, 7-0. and no. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't know about Arizona. And they've, been, they've played some good teams, but I don't know. So, World Series. I said you called somebody from the NFC from the NL West yeah. going to win the World Series. You I had Boston. I, I said Boston because they were swinging hot bats. But what always wins in the postseason? Pitching and clutch hitting, and we're seeing that with Atlanta right now. Rosario. Rosario. He's Duvall. On fire. Duvall. Go, you're our welcome. Good, at, our good old friend. You're Adam welcome, Duvall. Atlanta. <laughs> you know, Duvall from the very first podcast <laughs> episode. You're welcome, Atlanta. Um. No, they're playing. They're Man, playing great ball. Atlanta, Houston, really. Okay, so who call, who would have called that at the beginning of the year? Mm, Nobody. Well, here's the thing: Would you have called any NL East team to make it even as far as the NLCS? No, no, because Atlanta, no, especially, had, especially once the games got going. Atlanta, I believe. I, mean, I saw the standings the other day. I went. I referenced them. I believe it had 88 wins, and and the Dodgers had 106. Mm-hmm. So you're doing 18 game difference. An eighteen-game difference. It goes to show you that's it, who baseball. gets hot at the right time. That's baseball. That's it, why it goes I love back it. to the fifty. You know, the fifty-one Giants and Dodgers that pennant race. The Giants with the pennant. They were I don't know how many double digits behind seventy-eight. You know, yep. Yankees, Red Sox, pennant chase. The Yankees are double digits behind August. It's getting hot at the right time, and you know, people peak too early. And so, Houston, Jordan Alvarez. You know, but Lance McCullers isn't going to pitch. And it's going to come down to who gets the clutch hits, yep. who makes the least mistakes, and should be a fun series. And now, no one outside of Houston is rooting for Houston, right? At Unless all. you're a garbage can. At all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I. It's hard to root for Atlanta, though. No, we can't root for. Atlanta. I mean, we you watch a World Series because it's the World Series. I, I saw a friend of mine tweeted, uh, all right, so the World Series is going to be Houston and Atlanta. I just hope they don't have a good time. 
<laughs> I would have enjoyed kind of where I'm at because who do I root for? <laughs> no, I would have enjoyed seeing you know because Sister Rosalie's a big Dodger fan, but yeah. I would have enjoyed seeing a rematch of the Dodgers and Houston in the World Series because the Dodgers really are yep. still angry about Houston yep. winning that World Series in 2017 that they thought they should have won. So, and the Dodgers have a lot of questions, a lot of free agents going into the offseason. So who knows? And Scherzer's not pitching game six. Nope. Oh, man, because he had that muscle thing. Oh, he was going to pitch game seven. That never happened. No. You know, what it should have, could have. And so World Series, we'll, we'll watch it because it's a World Series. You know, and um, Heat and Panthers, oh, that was a great win against Milwaukee the other day. Should have won it against Indiana, and mm-hmm. the Panthers just keep playing they great. They look good. They, they look, look good. We, that, we have to have our hockey expert come on. CJ has to come on and talk to us about <laughs> hockey. And I have to give a shout-out to the baby goat, Tyler Hero. First, uh, was it the first bench player in Heat history to come off the bench and hit 30 points and at least 10 I rebounds? That, yeah. that was, he's playing out of his mind and should be, you know, after two games, leader in that clubhouse for sixth man of the year. Yep. Um, if we were basketball, you know, nerds, we would go into the 75th anniversary, 75th anniversaries, but we're not. The the video was pretty sweet. Though, it was at very the beginning nice. Of the year. It was very nice. Uh, the one that the NBA did. Yep. So uh, the Dolphins... You heard, I don't think I've ever been that angry on the podcast. No, I don't think so. It's uh, that. I'm, I was it's, waiting for it's someone the, from the chapel to come up like, it's is everything ho- all right up here? It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yeah, there was That was a line, I believe that was the title of an episode of Ted Lasso. Um, it's the hope that kills you. And it doesn't kill you in the faith. That's a very important yeah. to Christian faith. But when it comes to sports, yeah, because it's every year. And it's October 25th, and we're already saying, you know, we got to talk about next year. And the, and I don't want to deal with the draft. I don't want to think about the draft. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. And my reaction to getting excited about a guy that maybe should should be maybe. Austin Jackson had a great pank block yesterday. So he's starting to come through. But the rest of the guys? Yep. <sighs> Igby was, is still inactive. Devontae Parker, could you get on the field, please? Fuller comes off the IR this week. But you think if even if you put, I saw uh, something said yet. Tua, we haven't seen this Tua play with Waddle, Parker, and Fuller out on the and Gasecki out on the field at the same time. Wow. Who cares? Wow. Okay, and even if all of them are out there on, on Sunday, it still won't matter because we're playing Buffalo. Buffalo and Josh Allen, who didn't start playing well into his third year. So everyone, please Calm be patient down. with Tua. Hit everybody else, call everybody else a task. Because the people they should they need to surround him with better talent. Because when Chase lights, I mean, excuse me, when Pitts lights you up for 163 yards, especially on that last drive, yep. And some of those catches were phenomenal. He is a generational talent at tight end. He is a Shannon Sharp. He is a Tony Gonzalez. He is, you know, a Gronk, smaller version. Of, but that's what we're talking about, and that's who you should have taken. And number three, not not outsmarted yourself and traded out. Oh, okay. Now we can't end there. Okay. With with a foul taste in our mouth. Mm-hmm. So I know we're fifty eight minutes in here. So thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> What's happening tomorrow here at the parish? Because because we need to finish <laughs> on a good note. Talk about- and, and we're we're gonna we're gonna come well, back from the. <laughs> no, we're, so we're yeah. coming back to the divine because you know yeah, this is a religious it, podcast, and I, I can't. Finish this episode with that right. foul taste. When we're done recording, I will teach uh, Jorge the art of the segue. <laughs> and, and when it comes to bo- podcasting radio. Um, okay, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow on uh, Tuesday, October 26th at the parish, we're blessed to have a Vatican exhibit on Eucharistic miracles that was created by Blessed Carlo Acutis, who is the youngest, one of the young saints that has recently been beatified in the Catholic Church. So, uh, from 5 to 9 p.m., the exhibit will be there at 7.30 tomorrow night. It's Tuesday night. We will have the, um, we will have the uh, you know, talk, a, a reflection, yep, presentation, a, and a yep. presentation that they will be giving on the life of Carlo Acutis, which is a phenomenal life. And I don't want to spoil it, you know, but come, come by tomorrow and check it out. And, you know, this is a young man who understood that quote that I mentioned in the first sex- segment of a blessed uh, of St. John Paul II. He's, here's a young man who really understood that life with Christ is a marvelous adventure, is a wonderful adventure. So be part of that. 
come tomorrow and let us pray for each other. And please pray for me that I my blood may come down only the dolphins. I don't have a wife that drives me nuts. Neither do I. No, you know you don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a wife that drives me nuts. The only thing that can drive me nuts like this. No, man, you're going back there. We're not supposed to yeah, finish there. there. We're not supposed no, to finish on that note. No, but I'm going to finish note. with the prayer. Chill. <laughs> Chill. We're going to finish with the prayer. This is... The, right now, we're... we're I'm we're, trying we're, to steer the ship away, yeah, and you keep bringing yeah. it right back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Folks, we, we, we just... We haven't pressed stop on the record. This is a typical conversation between Jorge and I. Now I'm getting upset. <laughs> no. So... But anyways, go back and... and, and um, and go back and meditate upon yesterday's gospel. And also this week during daily Mass, we're reading from the 8th chapter of the Romans. Do yourself a favor. It, it is my favorite chapter in, in the entire Pauline corpus of all the, the, the letters of St. Paul. Open up your Bibles this week. Read the 8th chapter of the letter of the Romans. It is a masterpiece. Um, and ends with that wonderful phrase, that nothing can, you know, the wonderful paragraph of nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. So we ask Christ to calm our hearts, calm our souls, to heal us and to help us to liberate us from whatever it is and and I, and I think, Jorge, I, I need to be liberated from a football team <laughs> but to liberate us from what is hindering us from getting close to him so we can join him on the marvelous adventure that Bartimaeus, Blessed Carlo Acutis and all the wonderful saints throughout the church join on him. Life with Christ is truly a wonderful adventure. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.